Thank you, Anne. So, yeah, it's great so far, isn't it? Who, who um, has been to anything at the Games yet? Who's actually been to see anything? I have. Quite a few people. You've been to the, you were at the thing in the park, weren't you? So that was good. Um, somebody was actually at the opening ceremony. What have you been to see, Alison? You at the opening oh, ceremony? Fantastic. Um, I actually bumped into Holly yesterday at the <laughs> gymnastics. All those hundreds of thousands of people. And there's Holly and George just beside me. Uh, so, so lots of people have been to things. Who's got something to go to? Me as well. <laughs> lots of people. So really getting into the spirit. So it's really great, isn't it? Glasgow is just doing its best. It is absolutely fantastic. It's great to be part of it. It's great to have the privilege of being the host city. And it's great to be together this morning to worship God. And uh, because with the song that we sort of know, and because it is a Commonwealth, we're going to begin with an African song, uh, which is number 18 in the Common Ground book, and will also appear on the screen. If you're able to stand as we sing, that would be fantastic. Come all you people, come and praise your maker. Thank you, Paul, and uh, choristers. Fantastic. So let's continue to praise God as we begin in prayer. Let's pray together. Come, let us praise our Maker, the God who spoke all that is into being, the God who fashioned and formed all humanity in the likeness of the divine, God as parent like a mother, and known by Jesus as Father. God as Saviour, living as one of us, as one among us, in Jesus the man, the eternal Christ. God as Spirit, breath of life, oil of gladness, water of life, dove of peace. So many symbols, so many words, yet not one that truly expresses the mystery of who, of what, we celebrate and praise. Come, let us confess to our maker the words and thoughts that have denied our being, the attitudes and actions that have damaged or distorted the divine image within us. To the God who, as parent, both chastens and hastens to forgive. To God who, as saviour, redeems and restores what is broken or lost. To God who, as spirit, washes us, heals us, inspires and refreshes us. So many faults and failings. So many needs to try again. Yet this one God truly forgives. And that mystery of love, mercy and grace we both celebrate and receive. 
So come, let us worship our maker. Let us stand straight and tall, ready to begin again where we have failed, ready to carry on where we have succeeded, knowing that God who makes us also redeems us and sustains us, and that God hears and accepts our praises and our prayers. Amen. We're going to sing a setting of Psalm Psalm 40, sorry, which is common ground number 60. So we'll remain seated as we sing this together. going to start by looking at some quotations and seeing if you know who said them. And there is a kind of a connection between them. It's fairly obvious, but we'll see if we can get there. But we'll have some fun along the way, hopefully. So, who said dib, dib, dib? (coughs) Sorry? Scouts. Yeah, it was Lord Baden-Powell who first said, do your best, do your best, do your best. And in the days when they were called wolf cubs, which is going back a long way, countless cub scouts would reply, dob, 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 do our best, do our best, do our best. So it was called a grand howl. So you know, like when wolves go, oh! Well, that was what they did. So should we just do that for a bit of fun? I'll be the, I'll pretend I'm Baden-Powell, and you don't have to do the howl if you don't want to, but you can be the cub. So, dib, dib, dib. Dob, dob, dob. Fantastic. <laughs> We've got that howl as Fantastic. Okay. Who said, perseverance is failing 19 times and succeeding the 20th? Perseverance is failing 19 times and succeeding the 20th. Any ideas? Okay, that one was Julie Andrews. I've no idea when she said that, but apparently that's what she said. Long one now. 
Life is not easy for any of us, but what of that? We must have perseverance and, above all, confidence in ourselves. We must believe that we are gifted for something and that, that this thing must be attained. I'll not read that again because it's really long. Anybody think they might have an idea who, who might have said that? I can't remember, so. That was Marie Curie, the woman who discovered radium. So, and she won a Nobel Prize, a physicist. Did any of the scientists know that? Good, it wasn't just me then. Failure after long perseverance is much grander than never to have a striving good enough to be called a failure. I think this one's quite deep. Failure after long perseverance is much grander than never, having, never to have a striving good enough to be called a failure. Anybody got any idea who might have said that? That was George Eliot, the writer. I think that's really interesting, isn't it? It's basically better to try and fail than, than not to try at all, is what that one's saying in, in normal language. Never, never, never give up. <laughs> yep, that was Winston Churchill. It's, there are lots of variations on that, so I'm not sure if that's his exact words. as never, never, never give in, never, never, never give up. So there are variations on it, but this is, that was Winston Churchill, um, which is why I said it in a silly voice. By perseverance, the snail reached the ark. Anybody idea? Anybody? It was a preacher. It was a Baptist preacher. A famous Baptist preacher. <laughs> yeah, that was Charles Haddon Spurden. By, by perseverance, the snail reached the ark. Okay, who said this one? Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. So that's in the Bible, and that's in the message paraphrase. Don't quit in the hard times. Pray all the harder. And it wasn't Jesus. But you can't give me the standard answer. Paul. Paul. Yes, that's right. That was St. Paul said that. Yeah, don't pray in the hard times. Pray all the harder. And I think that's the last one. So can anybody guess what the kind of connection is between those? Perseverance. Perseverance. Phew. It worked then. Somebody got it. Yep. So it's about persevering, never giving in, keeping going even when it's tough. So there's a bit of a theme there going on for us this morning. Um, Last week after service, I was chatting to somebody who had been talking to, they'd heard on the radio one of the chaplains speaking. And apparently somebody had said to the chaplain, well, do you pray with people that they will win their race? And they said, well, do you know what? It's not the people who are going to win that come and chat to me. It's the people who don't win. Because for everybody who wins a medal, there's a heck of a lot who don't win anything. Most people will go home from these Commonwealth Games, not with a beautiful hand-cast quake, which I can nearly say correctly after five years, not with a medal made by Emma. They'll just go home with some memories and perhaps a lot of disappointment. And those are the people that go to the chaplain. But they didn't give up. They came all the way across the world... They did their best, and that's what it's about, really, in the Commonwealth Games. So you know what's coming next, don't you? It's the song that I've been inflicting on you for the last few weeks, and it's probably the last time I can play it because the games have begun. But just listen, because there is something in there about never giving up.
good illustration of determination and perseverance there, didn't we, from Bonnie getting up onto that chair. I was completely taken up with watching that rather than listening to the music. I've mentioned already and a couple of times that um, one of our folk was involved in making the medals for the Commonwealth Games and I thought it might be good to show you a video clip about that. So hopefully... Um, I can get this to work. We will need to dim the lights because it's actually quite dark, the whole um, the video clip. But the chap is talking his way through it. Um, he's the only Scouse Glaswegian I've ever met. <laughs>
So there you go, that's your Scouse. I think you're probably from the Wirral, actually. It's a slightly posher accent than a Scouse accent, but he's certainly from that part of England. And I just love the idea is that the medal that's not like you think it would be is the medal that comes from, from Glasgow. There is something about the Glasgow spirit there. Now, unfortunately, I don't have any of these wonderful medals that took three days each to make, to give out. But I thought you probably all deserve medals for um, getting through the summer, for getting to church today, for whatever it is, because I'm sure everybody has faced some challenges. So um, I wonder, Freya and Sarah, would you like to pass out the medals? And there's plenty to go around, so don't be shy. And you can take this home to celebrate the fact that in some way or other... You are a winner. You will all, at some stage, have had to overcome a challenge. You'll have stuck at something that took hours and hours or days and days to do. You've probably known some disappointments along the way, something that just didn't go to plan. But this is your medal to say that actually, in God's kingdom, we're all winners. That everybody here is entitled to say, yep, I've got the gold medal because everyone matters. And they are big enough to go over adult heads because I've tested it. So you're allowed to wear your medal. Um, I'll have to take mine off, I think, because it's going to clutter on the thing. There we go. Um, You don't have to wear it. You can take it home. But if you'd like to wear it, you can. So one of the things that um, I think came across very strongly in that little video was um, he spoke about they want it seemed right to him that it took three days and 15 processes to make the medal because that was a bit like the hard work that the athletes had to do. And I suspect some of those medals didn't work. I suspect if we see, when we see Emma after this summer, she'll tell us that there were a few failures, there were a few that didn't work, but they didn't give up, they kept going. So we're going to sing um, a song that speaks a little bit about that now. The journey of life... Maybe easy, maybe hard, and then I'll do the video afterwards, which I've messed up.
DV clip. Um, did anybody happen to be watching BBC Three last night about 10 o'clock with Dan Walker and the lights going on and off and on and off? Remember what hoodie he was wearing and then watch the video. Because I'm convinced it's the same one. And there are times where you feel 
really happy and able to want to go and help everybody. But there are times as well when you're tired or you're grumpy and you know you just want to be on your own or you don't feel like smiling or, or helping someone. But there are times where it's really important to really do that and, and help others and live as, as Jesus would. Um, you have to go through those tough times as well. Okay, so we know that diet and training and encouragement and loads of other stuff is important if we're going to do our best. And of course, our athletes want to be their best for their following Jesus too. I wonder if the same sorts of things are important when you're trying to grow in faith too. So here is the reading that um, is offered as we ponder that question that uh, Dan Walker has just given us. Reading from Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, as indicated, verses 1 to 9 and then 14 to 20, and I'm reading from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Again, Jesus began to teach beside the sea. Such a very large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat on the sea and sat there while the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. He began to teach them many things in parables and in his teaching he said to them, listen. A sower went out to sow and as he sowed some seed fell on the path and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it didn't have much soil And it sprang up quickly since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun shone, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Other seed fell into the good soil and brought forth grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirty. Sixty and even a hundredfold. And Jesus said, Let anyone with ears listen. And then the disciples asked him what it meant. So this is what he said The sower sows the word. These are the ones on the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones that are sown on the rocky ground. When they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. But they have no root and endure only for a while. Then, when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are those sown among the thorns. These are the ones who hear the word... But the cares of the world and the lure of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word and it yields nothing. And these are the ones sown in the good soil. They hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30, 60 and a hundredfold.
So it's that bit of the service where I talk. Um, if you're small and you really don't want to listen to me talking, we've got lots of colouring upstairs. Please feel free to, to go upstairs and colour or do some puzzles or play with some toys that we've got up there. And if you're a grown-up and you really don't want to listen to me talk, then you too are very free to so go upstairs and colour and do puzzles or write poems or whatever it is that works for you. Just give people a moment to move around, especially those who are not quite familiar with our layout. So the parable of the sower, sometimes referred to as the parable of the soils, is one of the best-known stories that Jesus told. And it's also the only one where we're given an explanation of its meaning. If it's an object lesson in perseverance, which is kind of what it seems to me that the material we're using suggests, then I guess we're invited to align ourselves with the good soil, with those who hear the words of Jesus and put them into practice. The trouble is, as people who refer to ourselves by and large as Christian, as being part of Jesus' team, there's a temptation to just kind of smugly do that. And that's all right then, isn't it? Because hey, we're the good people, and so that's all the story's got to say to us, that as Jesus' followers, we're kind of faithful and perseverance is part of our life. That's great. I'm not sure it's as simple as that. I'm always a bit wary of object lessons from any part of Scripture. If Mark is using this parable as an object lesson, maybe it's something about how we hear parables, because in Mark's Gospel, this is the first parable that is told... And it is the only one for which an explanation is given. And the way Jesus goes about that, he's pretty much saying to his disciples, you know what, if you can't understand this one, goodness only knows what you're going to do with the other ones, because this is straightforward. Mostly, Jesus just tells stories. Jesus tells us a story. A sower went out to sow. But hang on a minute. There had to be a place that the sower went out to sow and he had to have something to sow. There had to be seed from a prior harvest, his or somebody else's, because either he had saved seed from last year or he'd been out and bought seed. And he didn't go out blindly into a place that he'd never been before. The picture that Jesus conjures up is a place that this sower deliberately went out to. A place with a path running through it. A place where some of it was rocky. A place where at the edge were weeds and thorns. And where some of it was rich, dark, fertile soil. So the sower went out to sow, knowing where he was going and what was going to happen to his seed. Because this is a long, long, long time before seed drills were invented. He had no option but to broadcast his seed as he went. So a sower went out to sow. And some of the seed fell on the path where it was gobbled up by the birds. It was inevitable that some of it landed on the path. And perhaps it's rather simplistic to when we say the seed that falls on the path is people who are incapable of hearing or receiving the message of the gospel. It's a nice, easy way of saying, well, that's what it is. These people didn't get it. But hang on a minute... Because surely there are times for every single one of us when an idea is suggested, a thought is offered, and it just doesn't make any difference to us. We either forget it as soon as we've heard it, or we don't understand it, or it's just snatched away, gone. Certainly, I've got a good forgettery. I forget things. But the sower sowed his seed knowing that that was a possibility. That some of it would land on the path and either be trampled underfoot 
or gobbled up by the birds. So it wasn't entirely wasted if the birds ate it, was it? They were fed. And scripture tells us that God cares about the birds of the air and that they are fed better than a feast of humans. So a sower went out to sow. And some of the seed landed amongst the rocks. And it started to grow up, but it didn't have any root, so it withered quite quickly. I wonder how many of us have ever made a New Year's resolution. How many of us have said, I'm going to start reading my Bible a bit more often or a bit more carefully. I'm going to go to that prayer meeting or whatever it might be. And for a week or two, we do. And then it kind of fizzles out. The sower went out and sowed the seed, knowing that some of it would grow very quickly and then wither because it was in the rocks. And so it is with us in our journey of life and our journey of faith that sometimes we really wholeheartedly go at something for a bit and then it kind of burns out. It's gone. But does that mean it was wasted? I don't think so. It was good for a while. So the sower went out to sow. And so some of the seed where there were thorns. And as it grew, so did the thorns and the weeds, and they strangled it and choked it, and it couldn't ever fulfill its potential. And I wonder if life is a bit like that for us sometimes. There is so much going on. The 60, 70, 100-hour weeks that some of us work sometimes, and some of us too often. The pressures to do this and be that and fulfill all the hobbies and take the kids to brownies and scouts and wherever else it might be. And it all crowds in and it squashes us. And that which nurtures us and feeds us and sustains us is choked like that seed. It grows a bit, but it never fulfills its potential. A sower went out to sow. And some of that seed landed in the fertile soil. And here it could take root. Here it could grow. I want to skip to another parable, the one that follows this in Mark's Gospel. He tells us of a farmer who went out and planted the seed, and then he went and got on with his life, basically. But from now and then, he would pop back and and just check that the seed was growing and it was doing what it should do. And that perhaps new weeds hadn't grown up in the good bits and nobody had been nicking all his plants or whatever it was. And he would keep persevering. He would keep going on and doing what he was. And as time grew, so, sorry, as time passed, so the wheat grew. And the harvest time came. And he gathered in the harvest. And some seed had produced 30-fold and some 60-fold, and some 100-fold. And the farmer took his corn, his seed, and he separated off a tenth and took it to the temple to offer it to God as a thank offering. And he separated some off to give as alms to his neighbours, And he separated some off to feed his family and some to plant next year. And if there was any left, perhaps he sold some on too. Because you see, the cycle continues. Each harvest is the beginning of a new sowing. And so as we draw towards the end of our summer and our exploration of this Commonwealth Games theme, this idea of being on Jesus' team, 
The idea of being called and chosen for who we are with the potential we have, as yet realised or as yet unrealised. This is offered as seed into a new season, a new year. And at the end is harvest to be gathered, to offer to God, to offer to family and friends, to offer to a hungry world, and some to keep back for another season. A sower went out to sow. We'll remain seated as we sing our next hymn. Father, hear the prayer we offer. I'm sure you've all seen the Glasgow 2014 logo. It's on the screen. It's also on our banners. Um, They're tea towels, really, but hey, they make very good banners. I bought five because they had five colours in the shop. I'm a bit slow on the uptake because those are the five colours that are in the logo, but hey. But do you know what? Every colour in there, apart from the white, has a significance. Uh, The Commonwealth Games Federation uses three colours as their traditional ones, which are red, which represents humanity, yellow, which is designed to represent destiny, and blue, which they use to represent equality. And if you listened carefully in the opening ceremony, uh, when the athletes and officials made their promises, they spoke about humanity, destiny, and equality, which are the three values, the three core values of the Commonwealth Games Federation. And then, of course, because we are in Glasgow this year, we have to have green for the dear green place. That's about as corny a connection as you can come up with, but hey, it's fine. So the green G is for Glasgow, the dear green place. Okay, so that's all right so far. It gets more complicated. Have you ever wondered about those circles or those bits of circles? The red ring represents the number 20 because this is the 20th Commonwealth Games. The yellow ring, which is just over three quarters of the way round, it's actually 17 twentieths of the way round, represents the number of sports, because there are 17 different sports. The blue is just over half. It's actually 11 twentieths, and that represents the number of days in 
the event. And then, of course, the G is the Glasgow G. So it's actually really complicated. And, of course, if you have to explain a symbol, it's probably not quite working. But uh, now that we know what it all represents, I thought we could use that as the basis for our prayers. And I'm going to use some colours and some fabrics to help us with that. So you might, if you wish, prefer to pray with your eyes open. A white ground is spread. A blank canvas upon which we may create an image. A symbol of unsolid purity. Of virgin unspoiled potential, well, at least to Western eyes. God of new beginnings, we pray for those who are on the brink of something new, the birth of a baby or the start of a new relationship, the start of a new course of study or training, the setting up of a new home, maybe in a new place. We also pray for those who face the unchosen new beginnings of loss, bereavement, redundancy or illness. In this week, when there are so many opportunities to be part of something new, We bring our prayers to God. A red cloth is laid. A symbol of our shared humanity. The six regions of the Commonwealth and beyond the colour of the blood that courses through arteries and veins, of Christian, Muslim and Jew, Hindu, Sikh and Buddhist, humanist and atheist, of all skin colours, hair colours and eye colours, those who have recognisable physical or mental disability and those who do not. In this week, when our international news has carried the message of blood spilled and life ended in countless places, we bring our prayers to God. A yellow cloth is laid, a symbol of destiny. If destiny is a goal, an aim, a telos rather than mere fate, serendipity or chance, then perhaps it conveys a message of hope in bad times as well as good. Hope to the children who still contract preventable diseases. For them, hope lies in vaccination and therapy. To those who are trafficked across nations and into slavery, the hope of freedom. To those who struggle for justice, for peace, for acceptance the hope of a brighter, fairer tomorrow. In this week, when we have been reminded of the inequality within our commonwealth and within our world, we bring our prayers of hope to God. A blue cloth is laid, a symbol of equality. And all too easily the comparators trip from our tongues, race, 
gender, sexuality, wealth, status, religion, as if it was possible to define and delineate what equality might mean. And yet we are all too conscious that our race, our gender, our sexuality or wealth or status or religion or any other descriptor for our identity has the potential to deny to others that which we seek for ourselves. In this week, when winning and losing is a spectator sport, when inequality of opportunity directly impacts sporting achievement, we bring our prayers to God. green cloth cloth is laid. A symbol of our city, of Glasgow. The place that many of us name, at least for now, as home. The sick person of Europe with the poorest overall health, despite overall comparative wealth. A place with three universities and numerous colleges, yet where illiteracy and innumeracy are not uncommon. A place with many wonderful parks, museums and galleries available free to all people. A place where Gallic and Welsh and Polish and Greek and any number of other tongues may be heard. In this week, when the world watches, sharing the best of what we can offer, whilst in the shadows, the ugly reality has not gone away, we bring our prayers to God. And so we commit our thoughts and ourselves to God that we may each play our part in living the answers to the prayers we have offered in the name of Christ. Amen.
Gracious God, you have generously provided so much that we are privileged to enjoy. And yet we know that this is not the same for all people, that there are people who need the message of hope and love and redemption and freedom of the gospel. So we offer these gifts and ask you to help us employ them wisely to that end. In Christ's name. Amen. Our closing hymn is a good old Wesley. Forth in your name, O Lord, I go, my daily labour to pursue. You, Lord, alone, I choose to know in all I think or speak or do. If you're able, please stand as we sing. So may the Lord bless us and keep us. The Lord make his face to shine upon us and be gracious to us. The Lord lift up his countenance upon us and give us peace now and always. Amen.